0: Welcome to the Unisworld Gamer, I'm your host Rob, welcome to another faction reaction for Eidneth Deepkin today, and I'm joined by Chris Welfare, what a wonderful person, can't tell you how excited I am to have him on the show, how are you today?
1: I'm good thanks mate, yeah, just uh, same before, in, making the most of unemployment and uh, painting lots of uh, lots of sea creatures uh, and Deepkin for for this army and getting loads of test games in of uh, AOS 3, so uh, yeah, in a good place
0: honestly can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because i know because when you're excited about a faction i think we're we all get a little bit of uh, a bit of a boost emotionally from the faction so i'm I'm really excited about this uh you also just let everyone know you also run loads of events over in australia right so like competent and aware of the scene as is
1: uh yeah i do one a year um kind of a big big one um yeah Sydney, sydney slaughter been doing it for the last like four or five years um i don't know People maybe question my competency this year as I, I said that uh, Anvils of Apotheosis was okay. Turned that it wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. That was a great idea. <laughs> oh, who cares? It was the end of an edition. Who gives a fuck? <laughs>
0: That was fine. <laughs> uh, um, okay, good. Now, if you guys are joining us on YouTube um, uh, and you haven't watched us before, you join us. As, we're a podcast, also. You can listen to us as a podcast, and we're also live on Twitch right now, uh, where we always record these and in front of an amazing audience, like Halalex in the chat. What up, Stu Redacted, who just resubscribed? Pino, Dwarf Penguin, Scott B, uh, Scott B, a big fan, big fan of the crab. Uh, he's a big Ideneth Deepkin fan as well. His Ideneth Deepkin army is gorgeous. Uh, so I think he wants to hear about um the crab and as much crab things as he can get. Chris, I don't know if you're gonna Is it gonna be 45 minutes on the crab and then maybe two minutes on eels? Is that what we're looking at? Well
1: or maybe crab nos, <laughs> which is my one. I've got I've got Go Trek riding a crab.
0: <laughs> that works. That works. That's perfect. So... <laughs> Thank... Yeah, we can talk about that.
1: Probably. I would love to.
0: Thanks, Tarquinex for resubscribing. Um big love to you. So Chris, before we go and talk about I King in Age of Sigmar three, let's talk about them in Age of Sigmar two. Like, uh, can you talk to me about them in Age of Sigmar two? Like your thoughts and feelings on them as an army? How did they do? What
1: like like lists and stuff did we see? Yeah, I think like I'm I didn't play them in tournaments loads in two, um, personally, but I mean Hydeneth are one of those armies that I think has always been strong in every kind of iteration. That the core mechanics they have, especially in terms of like shutting down shooting, has always been, I guess, problematic to any kind of shooting army. Um, typically, all the armies we've always seen that did well in AOS two were kind of eel spam and tended to be certainly towards the end much more building into that MSU kind of eels. Um, a mix of Ishlane and the the Morsar as well for the, the defensive and also the offensive, um, offensive probably being the keyword, um, in terms of in terms of those eels. Just the the mobility that that army has in terms of being movement fourteen. Everyone knows about high tide. You hit turn three and then just go yeah, fucking elves. Turn three, let's kill everything. <laughs> it's true. It's um, true. I mean, I was
0: I like so. One of the things that I've always said about Ardeneth Deepkin um, is that every single update is always a buff to Deepkin somehow. Yeah. Like even even points going up, like it's always it's always a buff, and they've been. And just talking about the stats center because obviously we do the stats center every Monday, um, uh, and I've covered competitive like stats for Age Sigmar since like four, started four, maybe four and a half years ago. Um, they've always been in like the sixty percent plus bracket. I think there was a, there was a single time when they dropped like to fifty eight percent, but generally they've been one of, if not the most competitive army in the meta every single edition and uh, could you talk about like the key elements of that Chris like why you think they did so well in previous like, like, iterations
1: yeah I mean high mobility for a start and then also the ability to do kind of kill key targets with high damage output obviously coming in from those Morsar um the ability to trigger mortal wounds as well um pretty reliably from those um from those Morsar they had it earlier on in the game than a lot of armies as well so they always had that edge um, the tides kind of giving them things like run and charge and then an entire army just striking first. It They were one of the armies that was up there with the activation wars. Then when all that kind of came in, their ability, I think, to, to make multiple charges and just pin units in to go on the ends of the units, for example, to mess up pylons and mean that they could put a lot of their damage output from a small kind of corner point on a big unit and be able to focus all that damage from three eels and only cop retaliation from a, a few models back. And then I think when they just introduced the changes in was it Marathi, yep. all, they, all they did was push the, the power of the army up just by making everything else that wasn't as good as Morsar really good. <laughs> But I think it didn't it didn't necessarily do what they wanted it to do in terms of go, oh, people can stop taking Morsar now because they'll take this other stuff. It's like, no, no, no you've just made Morsar better now <laughs> by making sure that they can have plus one to hit uh, or plus like plus one save. Rather, they can go- get plus one to win from the on. Then they just made the sharks make people not be able to pile in whatsoever when you shoot nets at people. Um, I'm surprised Nathan doesn't play deepkin, to be honest, because he loves nets. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> He does love
0: nets so much. Uh, but I think unless a grot's throwing him, he's livid. He's livid about the existence of other nets, generally. Uh, and also, can I just say, like, just side note, this is not, this is me taking us on a tangent for a moment, but weird. You would think of all things fish people would be, like, really anti-nets. Anti-net. Yeah, yeah. I, you would think, but I guess maybe they're like so used to nets; it's like part of their like general like cultural
1: milieu. Uh, maybe never mind. Let's go back to facts and not not weird fish. <laughs> maybe they just decided to embrace it and go. No, we're going to make nets great again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Met Netter, Uh or the Net
0: Meta? Oh god, I got that wrong way around. Okay, yeah, so like the updates in Marathi, right? What do we what do updates do we see in Marathi? Because obviously we haven't had a new book for it in AOS three yet. So what was it that changed specifically in Marathi that kind of like pushed the army around?
1: So the Leviadon I think was the big change that made Leviadons want to be taken in every, almost every army, I think um in terms of changing the buffs that it gave in terms of giving plus one save to everything within range of its void drum that was kind of eight or less wounds, so it would increase the eel saves increase increase your namati saves increase your shark saves increase your kings they just a flat plus one save and it wasn't cover which it used to be so it could stack with cover which D can traditionally get in the first round as well so it's like cool set up on the board your whole army's basically got plus two save just as long as you hug this big two plus save turtle um and then that gave all of the Namati, which was stuff that people weren't taking as much like the the thralls um plus one to hit as well well they were in range of of that buff mm. um and i think it just it just gave them a monster as well not that monsters were super important in in 2 but more going forward into 3 i think monsters are going to be more important as well yes um but the big the big change I think that came in the Marathi book was really the sharks with the net launchers. It was certainly the one that everybody talked about and the shark was the kind of tech piece that people started to try and slot into any order army where they could like Caesar Sigma taking it and combining that with star drakes and stuff like that in terms of using the, you can't pile in, then a star Drake bites models out and breaks coherency and things like that. I think that the shark net launcher change was the big tech piece that the kind of came in with with Meraffi. and, and um, also it was fairly unique at the, the time right well. yeah i don't think there was much really that stopped pylons certainly from the range that the sharks could stop pylons mm-hmm. um in terms of the, the range of the net launcher plus the sharks move of 14 odd like it was a big threat range to just and all you had to do is hit right and then no pylons uh, which is which is massive. A lot of armies used pylon's for for movement as well. Um, like those half guard blocks and stuff like that would use those double pylons to move six inches across the board because they didn't move very fast otherwise. Yeah,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, but the other thing that I think maybe the net launch has got a lot of uh, a lot of um, internet time. Uh, but one of the things that like struck me having covered some TTS events uh, post the Marathi book uh, and shout out to, to um, uh, forgive if he's in the chat or if he watches this back because uh, I saw him play it at one of the events. Razor Shell harpoons are not bad either. They got a buff. They got an extra attack. And like if you stack them you can do some stuff with the Razor Shell Harpoons, which is like, like I, I genuinely, like, they were obviously, again, super competent as an army, but they really didn't need some competent shooting in addition, but they definitely got it. They were like, you could have this as well. And uh, like Those utility pieces, like skink shoot and fight, like, um, you know, uh, to have uh, the alapexes or the Sharks shoot and fight very well was just a, like a great switch up for the army as well if they wanted to play a different way, like, which kind of blew my yeah. mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the the change on the Eidolon of the the storm as well, um, to give plus one to wound instead of reroll ones. I think it used to give re-roll ones within like a nine inch bubble, and then they changed it to plus one to wound, shooting and combat holly within eighteen, mm-hmm. which is absolutely massive on that model. So just most of the time you can have pretty much your entire army just plus one to wound. And so yeah, talking about the shooting as well. That's where it made the Leviadon really good because I think the Leviadon got hefty points drops as well, and that comes with the the eight the eight shots, which is essentially two sharks worth of the shooting. Um, that was what threes and threes with rend with twenty four inch range. So essentially, you just take the idle on as well, and you're, you're talking threes and twos just from a just from a turtle. And yeah, you started to see people taking the Leviadon plus multiple sharks because they also were pretty cheap towards the end of two. Um, so you started to see people that weren't just crazy people like Ben Spinetti that was running eight sharks from the start. Just actually going eight sharks is good now. Very good. Yeah.
0: Like I was just uh, someone's asking yeah. in the chat right now uh, how many sharks uh, at the moment. Um, I actually printed myself out a shark army, so um, I've gone max eight. I don't know if you would kind of agree with that. Put you at a thousand points. Two. You could have four blocks of two um, potentially if you wanted to go that way. I think. I think that's probably as many as you would want to go like
1: eight maybe six is probably better yeah we might disagree there because i yeah we'll get onto it i'm not i'm the stocks of sharks for me have gone down okay. a
0: lot all right amazing yeah that's good. um but yeah all right well we will talk about that okay so i net deepkin uh just for a, just a quick takeaway line for everyone at home uh, who's new one of if not the best combat army in age of sigma end convert doesn't have to be 3.0 or 2.0 just in Age of Sigmar um incredibly mobile incredibly useful uh, all orientated around a turn three and them sharks uh big shout out to Age of Something who has a YouTube channel who uh, very much described it as get to turn three win the game um, uh, which was good. All right, so before we go and talk about the big winners and losers in IDNFDUK and Chris, uh, Age of Sigma 3, I know you've already played a bunch of practice games, uh, or just a bunch of games anyway, and also you're a good, like, you're one of those people who reads well to application on the tabletop. That's something that's always impressed me about you. So what what are your, like, hot takeaways and thoughts about Age of Sigma 3 at the moment?
1: The big one, I think, which I think where the skill cap is going to come in is the battle tactics each turn and picking the tactics in an order that isn't just what's the easiest one to complete in turn one and two. It's actually thinking about the order of what are you gonna be trying to do in four and five and making sure that you can complete them. Because it's stuff that I'm starting to come up with. Like, if if the game's going super well and you've, say, tabled your opponent in turn three, Mm -hmm. if all of the tactics you've got left are kill the enemy general, kill battle line, kill monster, you're screwed. Yep. And so you're literally, you're losing yourself those two points, potentially even three points later on in the game, if you can't achieve those tactics. Whereas you might want to leave stuff like have two units in your opponent's um, territory, because if you have table them by that point, you can just then run them to the backboard or whatever. Um, and I think that the nuance of knowing which tactics to select to make sure that you can do a tactic in all five turns is going to be the big thing that starts to differentiate the podium, especially if people start taking on the score differential like document that you just put out a few days ago, which is going to be, it's going to really reward the people that score as big as possible differential. And that is going to rely on people scoring tactics every single turn. And I think you just, you really, that for me is where the like real skill cap, I think, is going to come in. remembering that you can go plus one to hit and plus one to save is like, I don't know if you know that, Rob, it's, it's not been talked about a lot. Um, but remembering that is like, sure. I think that's going to be the, Oh yeah. Okay. I can do plus one to hit or plus one to save. But like, that's the, that's, that stuff's the and butter of iOS three, but I do think the, the tactics and also I think some of the movement changes, the fact that a lot more stuff is like, um, essentially impassable to stuff that doesn't fly is going to be a big change to people um and around the pylons like that's changed in that obviously you can just slide round units in terms of if you're just moving closer to the closest unit that's fine but i think a lot of people have felt that that's more flexible than it necessarily is because you still have to do it on a like model by model basis move towards the closest unit so if you've still got two units come in, people can still do that annoying thing where they can force your pylons if you want to to mess up your coherency so you can't do it. It's not going to be as loose and free as I think people want, but I, yeah, I think it will help just make people be able to go, cool, this back rank can get in. If I'm fighting this unit, you don't have that weird situation where this guy can't fight because he's just stood here. You can kind of slide someone off to the side and put him in. Yeah. Um, which I think is good. But yeah, for me, the, the battle tactic has been the big one that's making me think the most at the start of every turn. It's um, it's not just about going, OK, I just want to score some objectives um, and then just be k- killing my opponent. It's literally just making decisions also to stop your opponent scoring them. Like I, I've had it come up where because my opponent's gone, I'm choosing to take this objective off you. And at the start of their turn, they've said, that's the or to kill that battle line unit and I've just gone okay I'm just no matter what I do I'm going to save my CP so that I can go plus one save on that unit I'm just going to keep the unit champion alive and as long as I've got a CP I know their attacks have failed the only thing that matters for me to do this turn is use a CP to guarantee that I pass that battle shock test and I know that that person hasn't scored their battle tactic for one turn and that's massive it's just changing the game in terms of where you would have wanted to like the value of your command abilities like putting plus one to hit on a unit of dudes that are going to put out 80 attacks might not be as important as just denying two passing battle for one man yeah. because you deny two points yeah. because you just can't, you get to the point where you cannot get these huge leads that you used to get. Um, and you can't, you also then can't catch up. Um, which I think is the, the real big change that excites me. I think because you really do have to think, multiple turns ahead in terms of getting those tactics and then always going how am i going to you know which ones your opponent's already done as well so you're trying to think which ones could they do and what can you do to stop them
0: so. i think it also ties into two core things one age of sigma has always been that way anyway like if you talk to a lot of uh, of competent age of sigma players they they either don't mind and or love the the double turn or the priority role specifically like the mechanic and it's because they're thinking a couple of turns ahead like if x happens x y and i think the battle tactics really just play into that mentality anyway they already play in the way that you want to play so i love the ordering and, and i think it's a great point the other thing i'd like to highlight which i agree with you like planning your battle tactics ahead of time in kind of like a long-term game, but I also feel like planning your CP usage is pretty massive. Like you, like just being aware. Like it's a bit of a like obviously a joke and a meme. Turn one, let's both roll four plus for an extra CP. A lot of people also forget that that CP is usable only by the character that like generated it as well. Like that's something that we I see forgotten a lot. Um, but the yeah. the other kind of core thing is that like you, you there is more CP. But there isn't loads of CP. And there are, like you said, loads of things you want to do with them, but not loads you can do with them. And I was playing, uh, like, compared to a couple of a couple of weeks ago, I was at a tournament for Age of Sigmar 3, and I wasn't using the CP on any characters, so I was just using them for every core mechanic sort of change. And then... Going into uh, last weekend, I was using them on a character every turn and I was like, I felt a lot CP poorer. And so one of those things to plan for is, yeah, very, very, like, I, I think that's one of the other things that people are going to get maybe caught out with. Like, you could even, like, bully, not bully people, but, like, you could kind of be like, oh, you're going you're gonna to redeploy? They'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll redeploy. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be like, yeah, good, you're not going to have a CP for Inspiring Presence later. <laughs>
1: Got you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah. CP, I was going to say CP Starvation is a thing I'm already seeing. There's things I'm specifically doing as well to try and force people to use CP so that, in a phase, so that I know that they're not, they're gonna start running out yeah. through a turn. in like shooting units where you know that they wanna go plus one save, and I'm probably not gonna do that much damage that turn, but it's because I'm then gonna shoot some chip off units as well that i want to battle shock but i'm then going to in the combat phase target the unit with something with rend so again i know they're going to want to use plus one save otherwise i'm going to put them at a threat and i'm probably making these decisions knowing i'm not going to kill that hero because they can plus one save but they're going to burn through their two cp and now they don't have a cp to auto pass battle shock for that unit that i also threw some chip damage into yeah. um and that's definitely come up like opponents as well not having them to even just for stuff like reroll charges and, and things like that you, you get to the point where they've already burnt through them in in a turn or two um and i think it it's quite weird as well if the the choice as you say like everyone at the moment is just going okay i'll do the four up get a cp one it's only for that turn as well not that battle round so if they don't use it that turn it's gone and i think a lot of a lot of the time i've seen people just add it onto their cp for the battle round yeah. and then if they haven't used it, it's like, okay, well, that one's gone now, so you need to remember to take it off if they didn't use it. Yeah. Um, but then I think it's, um, yeah, I've just completely lost my train it's of thought. It's okay, don't
0: worry. Um,
1: but yeah, I've just said CP too many times and my brain's gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on. Any other any any other thoughts about AOS 3 before we talk about winners and losers for Deep Um,
1: I think it's interesting that they've gone with in terms of that they've just given every single army the ability to go fight at the top bracket for a CP yes. Be- because that's something you can miss as well because it's tucked away on this small little page, it's not necessarily the key thing but the ability to just let any monster go, I'm going to fight on top bracket is potentially massive, things like Durthu as well Look, I'm not saying Sylvaneth are great again, that's not what I'm saying but the The issue with him is that it's always been as soon as he takes three wounds, he goes from six to D six, which is a huge swing. But now, if you had him alive and he's only got one wound left, but you know you can just be like, "Cool, I'm going to fight at six damage." It is a threat. People are going to have to consider a lot more. It keeps monsters dangerous, and you are going to see more monsters. Whereas I think you used to be able to almost like other than Scarbrand, you you used to be able to essentially neuter monsters by doing a bit of damage to yeah. them like a lot of monsters bracketed terribly and i think you now have to just consider all monsters at top profile mm-hmm. if something's great at top profile even if it's only got a five plus save which normally would have made it awful like help it abominations the issue is like they seem great at the start but they bracket terribly and they've only got a five up save but now if that help it's left you've left it on one wound left and it can just go i'm gonna fight a top bracket it will work hard yeah like it's a it's a real thing to consider i think in not completely neutering them um it's probably the only other thing that i don't know if we've if we we'll, if we've seen to full effect yet um but you can also play around that you can chip stuff down because if they want to fight a top bracket then they can't give themselves plus one to here or can't give themselves plus one to save in that same Kind of combat phase because obviously they've used that CP to fight at the top bracket. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, it's it's using CP. It's drawing CP out of your opponents so that they run out.
0: Yeah, it's a good question in the chat is whether or not I would try harder to get, like, would you try harder to put get more CP into your list, potentially? And I think, like, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't make that the focus. I wouldn't, like, make my list weaker to do so. But if, if it's available, I think it's very, like, very optional. Like, more and more, like, I love Mystic Shield plus uh, All Out Defense. It just makes every unit, basically, plus one save, ignore Rend 1, which is wild yeah like and, mm-hmm. and that actually works really nice um and then other stuff like plus one to hit like plus one to hit on units that were already good is now bonkers so like um like
1: because they're yeah. just better so yeah i'm with that a hundred percent yeah all right simon i think simon said it on your show the other day anything with a three plus base save or two plus but anything with a three plus base save is honestly i think hundred percent better than something on a four plus save just because of the fact that they can something on a four plus save can never save on better than a three on the dice so you would know at least a third of every single wound roll you force through onto mm-hmm. them to have to save they should be failing yeah. whereas something on a three plus can just keep saving on twos and then it's only one in six and it's as you say, it's so easy to save stack now with Mystic Shield. On heroes, you've got their finest hour. You can, if you've got a few, you can just cycle through each turn. Um, And then all that defense, obviously, it's so easy to get to those one plus zero plus saves where you're basically ignoring rend. Um, But yeah, stuff that starts on a four or a five, it can't. And so you're either gonna start seeing ludicrously high rend or builds predicated around loads of mortal wounds, or you're just gonna see sheer volume of attacks. I don't think you're gonna see like a middle range of attacks with an army that's just loads of Rend 1. Yeah. Now. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. I, I, I hugely agree with that. Uh, I, I think uh, I think how you build your list is going to be very different to the future. And also, like timing is going to be one of those interesting ones as well. Because like, someone can Mystic Shield and then, um, in their finest hour, a monster. And it's all gone in together and it's all buffed up. And you're like, this isn't the turn to fight it, so I should just screen it off and other stuff. I agree with you. I think like timings and how lists are built are going to be very interesting. And some armies are just going to be difficult to ever even play against Nagash, Archeon. You're like, can I kill that? I'm not sure. All right, so let's talk about Deepkin. Uh, winners and losers for Deepkin. Um, I mean, always winners. Uh, is there ever a loser? Let's start. What? <laughs> who? Uh, like... yeah, there's a big loser. Okay. There is right, a big so who loser. who wins? Who wins? Do you think, or what wins? Um, and one of the things we didn't for me. Oh, go on, after you.
1: Sorry, go. go I was going to say go. one of the things
0: we didn't talk about was the allegiance ability, and uh, and I know JP brought it up in the chat. Um, so the allegiance ability forgotten nightmares. So you can only target the closest unit in shooting. I mean that's huge. Uh, I don't know if you were, if that was going to come up in your winners section, but obviously a lot of us are talking about how good shooting is going to be because of Unleash Hell. Um, and I wonder if that factors into some of your thinking, like initially, does it? Is
1: it one of the things you're thinking about? I'd not put it in my winners just because it's not changed. Yeah. And it's always been it's always been one of the things that has made Deepkin consistently at the top because it is so hard to play them if your army has like is predicated around a lot of shooting. Yeah. Because it's it's so, so easy for Deepkin to just essentially shut your army down yeah. by just feeding it. You, even if it's just feeding it crap, you, you literally can just go, here's 10 thralls. It doesn't even need to be 10 thralls. It could be some allied in, like, ether Wings. And you're like, cool, I can deploy, let you go first. And all you're going to do is shoot off those ether Wings. Yeah. Even if you, even if you had a big block of... Say their their only shooting in range was a block of nine storm fiends. Cool, nine storm fiends. You can kill three the wings this turn. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's that they have so much resilience by damage mitigation, just in terms of forcing like board control and what stuff can shoot. And because you you control movement and you control the end of your turn. For me, anyway, certainly going forward, the thing for Deepkin is they. I've never wanted to get double turned with them. I always want to be able to just control the game. I'm super happy with Deepkin for myself to never ever have a double turn either, mm. and just keep the game going. You go, I go, you go, I go. Because I'm always finishing my turn with my army in a position where I'm like, I'm cool if I like, I'm cool if I don't win this priority roll. And to be honest, I probably don't want to roll it because I don't want to take a double. Yeah, you can just have it because I I'm set up in a position that. Your shooting is gonna shoot this and this and this that I've tied into it, and I'm okay with that. So um that that has always been one of Deakin's main strengths. Um and it it hasn't changed in, in three. They didn't change that rule in the in the FAQs. The only thing they did around that rule was change the cloud of midnight artifact, which was the most common thing you always saw on an idol-on, usually, um, which was the once per game at the start of any phase, you can basically use the cloud and the model can't be targeted that turn and so people would chuck this Eidolon up as the closest unit into a shooting army and then go, oh by the way you can't shoot this this turn and it's still counted as the closest unit, yep. so you literally tur- you turned everything in that army off in terms of shooting that turn um, and they didn't get to do anything, they didn't get to like kill a unit at all and your Eidolon was right up there. Whereas now they've changed it to say if you do want to do that they're no longer counted um as the closest unit which is a huge nerf so you can it's big um it's it's interesting because it's actually like i I, in my practice games i was taking the idol and i was taking the cloak and i never used the cloak i just never found i needed it um because it stops you fighting as well and i wanted to fight and i was always controlling i didn't want to just send him up to get shot anyway so i i probably played like six games and i never used it once and then I've changed it, and I've now put one of the generic artifacts, the Arcane Tome, onto him um, to make him a wizard. Because the Idol on becoming a wizard, I think, is fantastic. Um, that the fighty one, one because he didn't go up points, and the uh, the wizard one did, and he has the massive aura of plus one to wound, um, and I just think he's by far and away, the better of the two idolons, and he's cheaper. And now you make him a wizard, and he's always able to mystic shield himself or whatever to keep to put him on a two-up base save, ready to go all-out defense if he needs to. He naturally heals when he retreats and charges. Heroic recovery to heal again um, if you need to. He's, he's a real good piece. Um, high movement, decent rend and damage, really consistent on his attacks as well. Um, he's got a built-in way of getting plus one to hit against heroes of eight or less wounds mm. so he doesn't need to use all-out attack on himself so he, he's always got the, the ability to just go all-out defense or use the all-out attack on another unit in the army as well mm. um, and he's basically twos and twos um, on his attacks with ren two damage three on the charge with five attacks like he's he's super consistent he's not going to go in and like murk on in one go but he's He's just really good for positioning again with that. Few things that are though, right? Piece.
0: Like very, like I, I was having this discussion yesterday with my friend Mark. I played another game yesterday. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is like some you just don't have answers to anarchy on Renegations in most cases. Like and you have to just like be real like we talked about with Math Mallow on the Silver Neth show. You just have to be like, Cool, I'm never gonna kill I'll kill the stuff around him but I'll never kill that, uh, which is kind of an interesting take. Um, uh, Yeah, like, agree with you 100%. All right, sorry, I I kind of, like, took you on a a side one there, but it was brilliant points, so I loved that. I was just listening. I was like, all great points. Uh, (laughs) So what was your big winners? Sorry, what were your big
1: winners? The the biggest winner for me is Reavers.
0: Okay, so why? What were they like before, and why have they changed so significantly?
1: they were okay but I think in the Deepkin book they were just the one that you just never you just never took because to be honest eels or whatever were better in terms of your units um when you were probably taking a king and then you started to take sharks and an on and uh, a leviadon and stuff you just didn't really find the points for them um but now uh they are so good. One Anything when I've like gone through all the points of what's changed, anything that stayed the same or got cheaper immediately deserves a second look just because everything essentially got more expensive. Yeah. And so anything that didn't get more expensive naturally should be stronger than it was before. Yeah. And Revers Reavers went down five points. Oh wow. So they're only 115 points now. But the other big change is they used to have a max unit size of 20. But now if you have them as battle line, obviously you can double reinforce. So you can actually take a block of 30 Reavers, which you could never do before. And so 30 Reavers and basically what they have is their Whisper Bow is either 18 inch range for one shot or nine inch range for three shots. And so for stuff like Unleash Hell. If you take 30 Reavers, it's only 345 points. And wow. they're going to be within 9 inches if something charges them. So then you're unleashing 90 shots. And so when I was saying before, I think one of the strategies going forward will be just overwhelming weight of dice yes. to push through to push through wounds onto high saves. It doesn't work against stuff like Nagash or Arkhan. Anything that has that ability to be 2-plus rerolling ones or 2-plus rerolling whatever it it won't work against them but anything else even the big monsters on a two plus save you put 90 shots onto them and you can make them pretty consistent as well you just force so many save rolls that they actually just start taking damage just through the amount of ones they roll to save and for how cheap the reavers are the ability to put that output through is just massive and it also gives you board control as well in just loads and loads and loads of bodies and they're not terrible in a fight either, they have two attacks that are twos and, um, uh, sorry, threes and fours and so you can get them to twos and threes because you can obviously give them plus one to hit either from a Leviathan just being in range of the enemy because they're Namati they naturally get plus one to hit if they're in range of that idol, uh, Leviathan's buff yeah. so then that puts them hitting on twos in combat and then if the Idolons nearby they're wounding on threes and they've got two attacks each. And obviously, when high tide rolls along, they can all fight first anyway. So in that turn, you can go in, you can run them up, you can shoot with them, and then you can just charge them into combat as well if you want and do a, a butt ton of attacks. Um and so for me, like I've been using a lot of Reavers in my games, and they have just been phenomenal for for what for just what Reavers, they let you do. It's that really? nine inch What's the shooting profile? It's fours and fours. Okay, no rend. No rend. Fours and fours, either 18-inch range for one shot or nine-inch range and for they three move. shots. They move eight, which is Shut great up. for foot infantry. So 17 they move So seventeen eight. inches for the three shots. Yeah, if you just want to move them. But deep in, you can go in flood tide. You run and charge or run and shoot. Turn
0: two. Turn
1: two. Well... Wow. I'll say
0: yes. <laughs> I'll say yes but... for now, but we'll talk
1: about that later. For now, okay. So yeah. turn two. So turn two, I could push up. Wow, like I could
0: push up like. And they
1: they naturally they naturally reroll run rolls as well on their scroll. Really, that's so good. Okay. So you're naturally pushing to the fours, fives, and sixes on your runs, you to... and so say it's a you go... say it's a four. Yeah. You're going twelve. You've got a twenty-one inch threat on your triple shots, or like a thirty inch on your um single shots yeah and they're pretty good like what like i say you can get plus one to hit without needing to use all out attack if you've got the Leviathan in range of the target they get plus one to wound as well from the eidolon you can get reroll ones to hit in the army for quite easily through different ways reavers i this is blowing my reavers
0: okay fine Okay, next so time I, I can't I, wait to hear about Lotan I'm so excited <laughs> I, well yeah Lotan's on there <laughs> Okay. <laughs> alright amazing uh, sorry please um, continue yeah
1: I played so I played 60 Reavers yesterday in a game against 9 Storm Fiends with a bridge in turn 2 I could have killed a unit of 12 Storm Fiends. I overkilled them so much they could have been 12 and this was turn 2 and they were all dead
0: I am shook. It's how I feel emotionally <laughs> shook. Like, <laughs> like, can I tell you one thing I didn't want, Chris? Because I didn't want Deep Kid to also be good at shooting. This is breaking my heart, but okay, fine. They're,
1: honestly, they are so broken now, it's not even funny. Okay. Like, with what they can do. It's this lit. that, yeah, I've been playing these lists recently, I don't know. You had Simon on, and he talked about his game, where he'd said that he hadn't been. He didn't think the game was in a position where you could like have those super early losses. And then he was like, "Oh, I lost turn one. Holy fuck, that was against me." And this deep kin with Reavers, and it—it's honestly they are bonkers now with with the Reavers becoming this. good. I hate this. I would like you to know, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: fine, the battle line as well, right?
1: battle line yeah so that's that they need to be battle line think to make the most of them to get the 30 blocks yeah. um and so that's when the second big winner comes in and that's the tidecaster because in order to make reaver's battle line you just have to have an isharan hero as your general yeah. which is essentially any of the foot characters for for deepkin they're all isharan so you've got the tidecaster you've got soul Scryers, um which is the pointy the, the most powerful finger in the mortal realms just hit everything, get plus three to charge. Um, soul is as well. You've got the um, soul renders as, and, and stuff as well. So um, you just basically need any Isharan hero as your general, and that will unlock the Reavers as battle line. So then the reason the Tidecaster, I think, is such a big winner is because the can have a mechanic which some people will have seen, but I don't think it was super common because typically people were taking a king like Volturnus as the general to unlock Eels as battle yeah. line. But if you have a caster General, what you can do is, at the start of the battle, you can flip the tides. Mm-hmm. And so basically it, it changes up the normal order of Deepkin's kind of tide mechanics. So for people that don't know, the traditional Deepkin army is that your whole army gets cover on the first battle round. Then your whole army can either run and charge or run and shoot. They can't do both. But you get to choose per unit what you want to do. Then round three comes along and your whole army fights first. Then round four comes along and you get your whole army gets retreat and charge. Mm. And then round five comes along and you go back to cover for your whole army. But what happens is if you flip the tides, it changes it. So you actually start on retreat and charge, which is super weird Mm. to start on retreat and charge. But then you get fight first. So you get high tide in the second round. Mm. And then you go to um, run and charge. Then you go to cover. Then you go to retreat and charge again. Mm. And so the order for that I don't think has ever been great, but where it comes into play is if you take the Futhan Enclave, which is, yeah, for, for Deepkin it's obviously, I'll go through the Enclaves a bit in terms of which ones are maybe winners or not, but the Futhan one, basically, the reason it's so good with a Flip Tides build is because every single time the army would be affected by Ebb Tide, which is the retreat and charge one, they get affected by Flood Tide, which is the run and charge, run and shoot. And so what happens in the Futhan Flip Tides build is that turn one, your entire army gets run and shoot or run and charge. Turn two, you fight first. And then turn three, you go run and shoot, run and charge. that. Turn four, you get turn four, you get cover. And then turn five, you're back to run and shoot, run and charge. And in Futhan, whenever you're affected by that flood tide of run and shoot, run and charge, you also reroll ones to hit and it's shooting and combat and so basically turn one turn three turn five your entire army can run and shoot run and charge and rerolls once to hit that's pretty good which is yeah it's pretty good <laughs> um and then especially is like one of the most common tactics like feeding back into how the army works around battle tactics everyone likes to just get done on turn one is okay I'll, sure i'll just run three units normally you're just running three units or whatever maybe going on to some objectives but with Deepkin, you run three units, you're keeping them all together because your whole army can run and charge or run and shoot anyway. So you're running just to get further towards your enemy and onto objectives, and then you can still charge or shoot. So there's basically no downside to it whatsoever. And you're also re-rolling ones to hit. And so when you start stacking up buffs in the army, it's super easy to have loads of things in the army hitting on twos, re-rolling ones. Mm. And then as soon as turn two comes along, anything that's in combat, you're fighting first anyway. So you don't really care as much about the priority role. It's, and, and if you're against a shooting army, you've, as long as you're clever with where you have put your units that you want to get shot at, as long as they're the closest, if you lose as well, they're just shooting those off. Which typically is going to be some ish lane, because they ignore rend, mm. and they're really fast. And they can be on a two-up unrendable save. So Wow. Wow. Which is pretty, Which is pretty bonkers, um, be- <laughs> because they start on a four plus, but they have one of the weird mechanics where when they charge, essentially they get plus one save, but the wording is their save characteristic changes to a three plus. It's okay. not that they get plus one save, which then means that if their save characteristic changes to three plus when they charge, if they're wholly within range of a Leviadon's buff, for example, or the leader of the unit just goes, I'm going to go all out defense they go on to a two plus armor save and they naturally ignore rend and so moving into an addition where i think you're going to see people trying to put in loads of high rend into their armies just having this unit that you can just throw in and go i'm on a two plus unrendable save is crazy yeah yeah it's crazy and you have to shoot by the way if you if you've got shooting i've just thrown this forwards so you can shoot that and it's charged you and it's on a two-plus under double set. So. Yeah,
0: Ishlin it's... Ishlin. it's like we saw Tom Gilbert at the Super Series only dropped one game out of, of nine across the Super Series, running those three blocks of three Ishlin, uh, with the turtle behind. And he, would just, he was just sticking it in front of like 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 beast called Raider armies. He was just like, he's like, there's nine guys. Can you kill them? And like most often it was like, no, I can't. A whole KO army. He was like, there you go shoot them first. And they just couldn't, like, just couldn't take them off. And he was like, lol. <laughs> like, it was amazing. So yeah, so, so good, right?
1: Yeah, they're, they're very good. Um, but yeah, so that whole, for, for all those reasons, the tiecaster for me is Big Stonks. They're, that's my general in all my lists now, because I'm running few than with Reavers as battle line, because I want them as battle lines, so that they can be 30s. Um, and the Tidecaster, that's thats what you need, the Tidecaster General, to, to do the Flip Tides. And so it's just it's just a no-brainer for me now. Um, and now that, I mean, she's a wizard, which is better, because Deepkin traditionally never really had much magic at all. Mm. Um, and so she's a wizard. Mystic Shield is great. And I don't really care about other spells. Um, and now I can take the generic trait to reroll casting and unbinding and dispelling, which is super useful. Oh. um to just to just have her being able to, to go okay cool i'm gonna unbind with a re-roll built in um cast mystic shield if i want um i've typically been running as well the spell from the deepkin law which is um abyssal darkness i think it's only cast on a five and it basically gives you a nine inch bubble of cover as well so in the flip tides build what you're giving up really is cover but potentially you can just cast the spell and get cover anyway <laughs> So you can kind of literally just have your cake and eat it. And she only went up five points, I think, for the tiecaster. So she's only 105. So she's she's really cheap as well. And the, being the general, her command aura is at 18-inch range. And because all well, their little heroes are basically safe against shooting, it's just magic and abilities and stuff you have to watch out that's ranged that you don't get sniped off. Mm. Um but it's pretty easy to just keep them back and keep them safe. And having that 18-inch bubble from her is is pretty usable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just
0: so, so good. So good. Like, I'm still just trying to accept a world where I'm having to face Riva shooting, if I'm honest. Like, I was, I was still emotional. But I think I agree with you having one wizard. And I think the thing that you talked about a lot there, the re-roll. Is huge. The reroll Unbind because there's some very potent spells. The most important one, in my opinion, to be looking out for is to stop the opponent's Mystic Shield at this point because they're going to they're gonna have a plan for that every turn. And that's the one where it's a low casting value. So when they get it, they might not cast high. So you've got that chance to shut down. And I would say that you want to put a Wizard or something to try and shut them down as much as possible because that, that changes the balance of like an entire combat phase quite significantly,
1: I think. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stopping Mystic Shield is what pretty much one of my key priorities. Whenever I'm asking what spells my opponent can do, and also that's why in, when it comes to like the charge reactions, for me, raw is still definitely the best one. If I'm going into anything that I know wants to give itself plus one save, I just want to Roar at it so that it can't get that plus one save. Especially if it's not got the Mystic Shield off,
0: mm. it
1: just makes it just makes stuff die so much quicker than your opponent was planning on. Um, and I think. There's going to be a big part of the game as well where Mystic Shield of did I cast it or not is going to start impacting your turn. Because you can be like, cool, my plan is I'm going to cast Mystic Shield and I'm going to go aggressive. I'm going to go here. But if your Mystic Shield doesn't go off, I'm starting to go, I don't know if I want to send him in without a Mystic Shield now. I might keep him a bit further back um, because I do think that difference is massive, like you said, um, of, of whether that happens or not.
0: Okay, sweet, sweet. Have we got anything else in the winner column? I think we've we, done well already, but like, what else do we think is in the winner column?
1: Yeah, I touched on it before. I put the idol on the combat idol on in. Um, just the, the buff aura. Um, the fact he didn't go up in points. He's not a monster, and so I think that's probably why he didn't go up in points. Mm. And he's not a wizard, so maybe they were thinking, oh, well, he, he can't cast the spells, but then they gave you a generic artifact to just let him be a wizard. And cast the spells. And so he stayed cheap, but now has access to a spell to make him a monster as well. In the Gur generic spells, you can just turn he can turn himself into a monster mm. for a relatively low casting value. Um, and then he like I said before, he can do the heroic actions to heal himself, and he already heals himself when he retreats and charges. Very easy for him to be on a two plus, one plus save. And he's got twelve wounds and a five up after save built in, so you don't need that amulet of destiny on him. Um, so he's just—he's super hard to shift, and he's fighty enough that he's always a threat. You cannot pin him down because he's got retreat and charge built in, mm. and that massive eighteen-inch to plus one to wound bubble synergizes so nicely with the entire army because it's shooting and combat. It works for the reavers as well. It's—it's um, it's really, really, really good. Um, I. I I just put him in every single list and um, with that build now just as being the um being a wizard um and i'm I'm taking flaming weapon as my as my choice from the the generic spell law because I don't really think I need fly um deepkin typically all the important stuff flies anyway mm. um, and then I don't I'm not gonna do the ultra abusive thing that some deepkin players will do with ghost mist. Um, with the generic spell which I mean we talked about how Deepkin can already severely new to shooting armies, mm. the Ghost Mist generic spell lets you pick a terrain feature within, it's like a short range, it's like 6 inches, but if you can set up potentially within 6 of a big terrain feature that's kind of pushing towards the middle of the board for example on deployment and you you go first and you cast Ghost Mist on that terrain feature, it basically gives it the like line of sight blocking mm. rules so then you can just go put something in there like a a little hero or something that is more than three from the outskirts so it can't be seen you just put that there as the closest unit and then your opponent has to shoot it and they can't because they can't see it
0: yeah that's rough that's rough. it's
1: it's abusive as hell so you could do that
0: you could always always do that as well with the prismatic palisade right like a similar setup you could do the same it's like it's available. I don't think it, it's, it feels like a solid tactic. It just ties in so well with the Allegiance ability, right?
1: Yeah, you can. I think it's just, yeah, you don't. It's a very low casting value, I think. And the fact that because it's a generic spell law, like you don't have to pay points for an endless spell or anything. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. It feels horrible to me if someone was, <laughs> if someone was doing that. Um, but, yeah, I've I just generally taken Flaming Weapon, but I'll be honest, I've never cast it with him I'm, I'm either casting mystic shield or i'm casting um the one to make him a hero yes uh, to make him a mo- to make him a monster sorry um mainly for the rampage rather than the counting as five models um just because what about the additional on... plus 1 vp for the battle tactic Does that come into effect at all in terms of him dying no because he he does no i'm sorry i'm
0: more mean i'm
1: more mean like so oh, if weak. i achieve something with a monster as yeah. well If that comes in, then great. Um, I've not been using him necessarily for that as much. The issue behind that is because you have to pick your tactic before you can cast any spells. And he's not a monster. So you don't know if you're going to get that spell off. And so I don't want to do something like Monstrous Takeover and then fail the spell. Monstrous
0: Takeover you can't do. Uh, via the spell because you you when you choose the battle tactic you must pick a monster and he's currently not a monster oh, on yeah, stage. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the other ones where you like kill a battle line units so, like broken flags like you can just pick the unit you're going to kill and then decide if you're going to be a monster it's just an opportunity cost to get an extra to vp get an extra point. yeah and yeah. like we were talking about like that variance i think that's going to play in sometimes you're going to be like oh actually i'm going to definitely do that and he's going to do it so here's the time for the for the monster and most people let you get it most people are like oh whatever like not bothered i think uh but what 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 monstrous reactions have you been doing with him like what's been the point of it raw oh okay. every every time
1: raw like so, it's so they just, can't take as cover. i said it's and it's to stop them getting plus one save yeah okay that's because that makes people have sense because i think people are banking on it and it's that's a way you can also waste cp because you've said people are saving their cp because they're like well i'm saving that cp because i want to use all our defense when he comes and charges me so then they've not used it they've held on to it then you go in and basically deny them the ability to use it you've essentially did like made them have one less cp and because they reset every battle round that matters as well um and with the eidolon having ren too if something suddenly doesn't get a plus one to its save as well Like on a four up, you yeah, it's just so much easier to to do damage and start killing like those heroes. Um, I just raw for me is always the one I take.
0: Super fair. Okay, so what about losers? Who do we think lost in this? And it would be nice to hear some IDK losses. I won't lie.
1: (laughs) Morsar, Morsar. But I'm I'm biased because I've I've always said I've never wanted to take any anyway. Um, but I think they are compared to pretty much all the other kind of options you can take now in building the lists, they are too expensive. They're like 190, 195 now, whereas Ishlane are 155. Mm -hmm. So there's a big points difference between even just Ishlane and Morsar. And I've already said how incredible I think Ishlane are for the job they do in terms of being able to get a two plus unrendable save. So the fact that Morsar are one... 90 195 and they come on a four plus save means that it's that issue if they can never save on better than a three plus they only do their damage output on the charge
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so if and with the ability now of stuff to have higher armor saves because they're going to go all out defense all this stuff i think morsar aren't going to nuke stuff off as much as they used to and so as soon as they go in and they get stuck they then drop to having no rend and one damage again and they make one less attack that ish lane do anyway like ish lane standardly make three attacks per rider whereas Morsar make two and so once they've gone in and they've done that initial rend two damage to hit if they haven't killed what they're trying to kill like monsters or whatever which i think more and more they won't kill them now because of the increased armor saves yep. then they're stuck and they're they're stuck and they're doing less damage than ish lane they're way less survivable than ish lane and they're more expensive so for me more sara just they're just out um there's still an argument in the mortal wound output because the army that is something that kind of lacks they're one of the only ways of mortal wounds in the army um and obviously with higher saves mortal wounds are useful but you typically don't have enough of them to get the volume of more wins that you would want. And it's on like three ups and it's only once per game for each unit that does it. So I just don't think it's enough to kind of compensate for the, the other kind of downsides.
0: I agree. I agree. I think actually that your point about the rend like is, cause that was what was very scary about them. But with the addition, <clears throat> with the saves everywhere now, like they, they, they just aren't as punchy as they were because everything's tankier than it was. And so really like, but they are still cheap they are still cheap compared like i mean other books would die i think for uh <laughs> for a mor guard scroll uh genuinely um but i could see why like they definitely would seem like <coughs> they've all, almost been uh, like almost been changed to a points value that almost resembles fair uh but they're not there like and i think maybe that's an interesting point right they were unfairly pointed um um, like for uh, ever. <laughs> like, and then now they're at a place where they're just more fairly pointed now, which I think is quite interesting. Um, And so I could see why people maybe would look around for other stuff. But I still think that they're very, very, very good. But I, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I, I understand your points. Yeah, yeah no,
1: I I, I agree. There's, there's still a good scroll and I agree loads of other books would kill to have them. It's just, I think the other stuff in the book is better now for the points Um, in terms of the changes and what got hit. Again, it's all the stuff that didn't get hit as much and didn't increase as much or offers less kind of synergy overall for me when like evaluating Deepkin as an army of what's the best stuff and what's the worst stuff. In that book, I don't think more sorrow is worth it now. Super fair, super fair.
0: Like super, fair. like, and 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 you've definitely been playing more deepkin than I have. Um, big shout out to Dan Arnold though, who was at an event here at the weekend for a team event. Was running all eels. He was still like, "These are fine, Rob. These are fine." With Gotrek, <laughs> these are really fine. And I was like, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> uh, what else uh, do you think?
1: Lost in the book, the Gloomtide shipwreck. I think is honestly up there for one of the worst faction scenery pieces in the game now. Okay, it's good. Awful. Good. Awful. Yeah. I I don't own one and I'm honestly thinking I won't buy one. I don't think I need it. Which is terrible. To literally say this is my faction terrain, that no, I just don't I just don't need it. Like it's yeah. So for people who
0: are new, like let's talk about it for a moment because it's it was like it was almost like an unspoken about, but like really should have been spoken about, I think a little bit more seriously obnoxious rule like you would deploy two large pieces of scenery in front of an opponent's army and make them have to move up and down it and i don't think we really ever took into account how offensive and Mm. effective that was in the edition so like i super agree with you it's gone down but i have no idea why it didn't it wasn't basically deleted from the game earlier on because like i don't know how we really let it happen at tournaments if i'm honest i it was uh, this is only from a few months ago I, like i saw it on the tabletop and i was like why is that allowed <laughs> i don't think like, it was like the moment of realization i was like oh like that's not cool um uh, so that's what you used to be able to do with it and now it's changed how's it changed now chris what's it changed to
1: yeah so yes yeah, so you used to be able to take two so you can still take two pieces but you used to be able to take two entire boats as you said and then put them down pretty much anywhere on the board obviously around three inches from objectives terrain etc the normal kind of restrictions whereas now you can take basically one boat you can either take one boat together as one big boat or you can take the two halves and put them in two separate places but they have to go wholly within your territory which is big change because the only person you're really going to block up now is yourself rather than your opponent. Yes, you can still use it to put it in front of your army to necessarily block an opponent that's aggressive and wants to come and try and charge you potentially. But like, if your army also wants to move out, like don't get me wrong. I know there's lots of stuff in the army as well that flies. They could just fly over it, but it's more just going to get in your way. I think than how it used to play it, They took away the 6-up ward save as well that it used to provide. So if your Deepkin were like hollow within 6 of it, it used to give you a 6-up ward save, which they've got rid of. So now it's just in your hero phase, if there's enemy units within like 3 of it, on a 4-up you do a mortal wound, on a 6 you do D3. So it just doesn't come up very often. Um, And then the fact that it's defensible now means you can't move, like can't go up and over it. You can't move through it um so obviously you can garrison it so if you wanted to put it kind of near an objective because you can put it like three away from objective so you can still put it within scoring position and maybe put a hero in there and be like cool i've got plus one save or minus one to hit from sitting there but for me and i think generally deacon's playstyle is the thing that makes them super strong is how fast they are and able to move around the board and so the issue with garrisoning anything is you're not able to like it's not like if you're sitting in there you can just then do your 14 inch move or whatever out of it you have to go my move is i'm gonna end six inches like within six of this terrain piece and it just deep kind of too fast to want to do that i don't think mm. um and so honestly i think the only thing i would potentially use one for is if i wanted to just spread them out put them behind my army just so that i could set my light like, soul scryer or tie caster up within like three inches of them to try and do the ritual because you get a plus one if you're within range of a shipwreck and honestly it's probably about all i use the boats i would use the boats for if i had them um now like i I just i think you can use them sure but i don't think you they they definitely don't do the kind of buffs that like the shrine luminor gives luminaire, for example or or like you're not recycling units or being ignoring battle shock from um like the gloom spite one it's Honestly, I think the things that it gives you are probably some of the weakest bonuses in the game. But I think that's fine. Honestly, I don't think Deep can need it. Yeah,
0: no. Same. So I also don't think what they did before was okay. So, like, great. Good good change, generally, I'm going to go for. Uh, okay. Uh, have we got any more losers, or are we going to talk about some sample lists? Um
1: I don't know if they've really lost. I think just where before sharks for me are kind of when I've been writing lists, they're falling into that spot of I'm not I'm just not really finding the points to take them now. Just because I'm I'm talking in terms of me trying to build what I think is optimal. And I keep just going, oh, that 125 points of shark I could I could use to change this list around to maybe put in like a life swarm and um or get some true revenants and and do something else that lets me have a teleport um i don't and i just i wouldn't be investing in more than one shark if i did like the original version of the list i had a shark in it and then i played and the shark was the first thing that came out right and i just started i've just started swapping the shark out cuz it it was okay but it didn't do a role in the army that i didn't already have
0: yeah i think it's interesting that the reaver switch up because honestly like i am fairly impressed about the like the utility of of shell harpoon sharks not net launcher sharks i think you can take something like eight and then you've got a pretty Mm -hmm. solid fire base that's about that's a thousand points on the nose that's a solid fire base but also a, a solid combat like like you've got all that duality from the both of them like but i think you kind of have to push into that you can't just have like a, a, a throwaway unit of two maybe because maybe they do a little bit but i think like you could do like i think you either go all in and that's the playstyle for the army that you're going to try and sit off counter charge or like i'm 100 percent with you like i think like the reaver build definitely does the shooting better like um so yeah anyway like and cheaper as well I think...
1: like insanely cheaper yeah, it's, it's insanely cheap. Um, I think the other thing with the the Sharks as well is that they, with the reinforcement point issue, you can't, you're ending up really taking them in singles um, depending on, I guess, your battle line or how many of your, your battle line or other units you've wanted to reinforce. Like if you want to take a six-ish lane or something, that's one of your reinforcement points. And then if you want to take those 30 Reavers, that's going to use your two reinforcement points. And so putting those Sharks up to obviously the maximum unit size they can be is twos but every single time you do that you're using a reinforcement point as well and I think them operating in ones is is good as well they for deepkin ones is not a bad thing because of the whole cool I'll just throw one shark at as the closest unit if I need it to just cop a bunch of shooting to protect the rest of my army this turn that's great but when you want them to you want maybe two of them together so that you can put an all-out attack or or some other buff on them, um, and that you want them to both go at the same time. You're not getting with the reinforcements. um I agree in terms of the loadout though. I if when I did run one, I wasn't taking the net launcher. I was taking the razor shell, shell harpoons for the range, the extra attack, and the rend. Um, but they also got rid of their reroll charge roll off their um, war scroll. So they used to, like whenever they were within 12 of a unit that had lost any models or was wounded, then they got, they get extra, they get an extra attack now, but they also got to reroll charges innately. Whereas because that's gone now, it's, and you can obviously only use CP to reroll one charge if you want, you don't know if you want to necessarily spend it to get one shark in versus another unit that you might need to get in, um, and they're not, obviously, they're not elite. They don't have champions in their units, so you need to babysit them with a hero as well to do um, to do kind of command abilities on them if you wanted yep. to. Um, which is a big downside that I didn't talk about with Reavers and Thralls, actually. They are an interesting unit because they do not have unit champions. Oh, All they, all they have is icon bearers. And so they cannot issue commands to themselves. So the big thing with this army is the heroes are very important and they do have to babysit the units mm-hmm. so like that's why the tide cast is great because it's an 18 inch range and i've got a soul scryer in my list as well mostly because of the priest thing um because priest i think is super good now and it's what turns the reavers up to 11 if you curse a unit and you make any six to hit from your army do a mortal wound in addition when you've got the amount of output of volume of shots that reavers do and so that's what i played the storm fiends the other day he charged into me and i i got the curse off and then i was like they're dead (laughs) (laughs) like I, i literally have got 180 shots into you right now they're dead like you you're going to take at least 30 odd mortal wounds in addition to everything else amazing. so um yeah the old the old soul cry is still totally worth it because of the priest uh keyword yeah. rather than necessarily the bonuses to charge amazing but um, yeah so good
0: yeah Okay, well, so uh, my question to you is, is it going to uh, do us a write-up of uh, your list on the Honest War Wargamer website so I can link it to people because people will be very excited uh, to read that, I think. And then I can include it in the show notes because it won't go out till tomorrow. Um, so like we could, uh, we could put that, we've got time maybe, uh, although it's late there yeah. for you. Um, I'm, I've just been sat here for like an hour enjoying listening to you talk about Age of Sigmar, if that's all right, Chris, like, cause I'm like mega into this edition. I think it's so good. And so like listening to people like you, who I know, who you and me have hung out and like, and we've done shows together as well, but I know you're super passionate about the game as is. So like, it's fun to hear you be like really excited about this new thing um uh so yeah like i'm very very excited uh about all of this so thank you so if you guys are listening you will be able to include uh the list that um chris likes i the elements of the list that chris is talking about in the show notes so you can listen to that wherever you've listened from have you got any shout outs you'd like to do chris before we head out today
1: yeah i think i need to shout out uh shout out Arthur Bulgaris. <laughs> um every show <laughs> 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 literally never actually played the guy but um, you, you knew it was coming um but yeah now I'll, I'll shout out smorgan and simon just great human beings our, our regular chat of, of everything aos3 that's my main they're, they're getting in they're they're the other people that i know that i'm talking to all the time that are getting in loads of reps of three and we're just constantly bouncing bouncing ideas and, and everything so uh yeah yeah and they put out good content i just appear occasionally on simon's channel. When he's like, oh, people are complaining I'm winning too much. I need to lose a game. And I'm like, I'm here, Simon. I'll oh, come on. <laughs> I got this.
0: I got this. <laughs> you push him away from those crutch Phoenix guard one day. Uh, we'll see if he manages
1: it. Oh, Iron Drakes. There, There is big crutch, yeah. the Iron Drakes.
0: I mean, they're, everyone's big crutch. They're good. They're so good. They're so good. Who
1: do yeah.
0: you? Well, everyone, I think, yeah. for a while.
1: <laughs> uh, I just need to... I, I, you must be aware of this. Like, if I just say sentinels and iliatha to you yeah 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 this
0: doesn't matter not like we haven't this. got we haven't got there not yet like we haven't this. got there that's <laughs> that's one of the next factions like right, this is you've already given me the title for this reavers are broken question mark or oh, exclamation mark that's my youtube click right there so thanks everyone uh chris it's been a delight you're a treasure to the community uh, so thank you very much. I'll also include Chris's socials in the down below as well. So if you ever want to get at him about anything, uh, he's based in Australia, so you guys can uh, reach out to him. He's up in Queensland now. Um, so if you're around that area and you want to talk to him, and although I'm sure anyone around there knows him anyway. Uh, it's been a delight. Thank you. This uh, this one game is filmed in front of a live studio audience, who is our Twitch chat. So big shout out to the Twitch chat. You're all wonderful. Um, and you can watch this as a you can watch this on YouTube, or you can listen to it as a podcast. And it's all brought to you by people on Patreon. Uh, so it's all free content uh, produced by the people from the Honest War Game and Patreon so thanks to you uh and thanks Chris uh, and thanks for listening to the Honest War Game we'll see you guys soon have a nice day